Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unrefined Women Podcast. This is your co-host, Margaret, and this is the podcast where my sister, Agnes, and I talk about various topics like spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. So today, it's actually just going to be a solo episode with me. Last year, if you are a longtime follower of the podcast, you'll remember that Agnes and I actually took the month of December to just take a step back and reflect on the year and spend time with our family. And we're going to be doing the same thing this December. So you're going to be hearing from me today, and then you're going to be hearing a solo episode from Agnes in two weeks on December 27th, which actually happens to be her birthday. So please give her a shout out when you see that episode drop. Before we jump into today's episodes, I have a couple of announcements. The first one is that this is officially episode 50, and that's a big, big milestone for me and Agnes. So we're really, really excited about that. So I just wanted to have a little, little moment to like think about that and just celebrate that moment that we've, we've made it all the way to 50. You know, guys, I think I've mentioned this before, but back at the beginning of our podcast, I, you know, read so many statistics about how quickly and easily podcasts fail, I guess, or just stop making episodes. And the average podcast stops making episodes after right about episode 10. So guys, we're at 50. So this is huge. I'm super excited about that. Lastly, at the end of this episode, I'm going to be sharing something exciting. There is a song that I've been working on just me, myself and I, and I'm going to be sharing that with you today. So that's going to be at the end of the episode, but really quick before um, I talk about the song, I do want to give a huge shout out to my friend uh, who I met here in Texas, Sean Bars. He's in school right now, I think for, oh, I think it's like some kind of um, audio engineering. I don't know the exact degree, but anyway, he does all of the, all the mix, producing and mixing and mastering and all that stuff with music. So he mixed and mastered my song for me. I'm really, really grateful for him and his ears being able to take my song and find, you know, all the good elements of that and really, really draw that out. So Sean Bars, thank you so, so much for, you know, helping me on this journey of releasing my first song ever. So something that I want to talk about today is my experience with therapy this year. I haven't really talked very much about this um, on our podcast in the last few months, and we actually have had a lot of guests on. So there's been less episodes of Agnes and I talking, but I um, made some changes when it comes to my therapeutic journey. As you remember, in this past year, we've had a lot of changes uh, with me and my family. Last December, actually, we bought a fifth wheel and we renovated the whole inside. We moved out of our big house in Las Vegas, moved full time into the fifth wheel, uh, me and my partner, Casey, my son, Brayden, and our two dogs. And we lived in Las Vegas for a few more months until we made the change to move here to Dallas, Texas. And that was in May of this year. So that was a change that was instigated by Braden's dad, who made a change for work. He got transplanted out here in Dallas. And we just decided that since we, we, meaning me and Casey, don't have any family in Las Vegas, that we would also make the change and move to Texas just to keep the family together and just try out something new. And I would say overall, it's been 
a really good move for us. We've made so many wonderful connections with people. Um, we've really made uh, a lot of great friends here, created a whole new community, um, found new people that we consider family. I think musically it's been great for Casey and I. Um, if you follow the podcast and some of our social media, you may from time to time see that I'm part of a group called Ashera, which is me and two other women, Margie and Diana. And we've got a couple songs on Spotify, so go check us out. But Margie and Diana both live in Texas. So coming here was kind of a good transition for Ashera. We were able to get another song out um, in the last couple months called Chase the Dream. And we've also connected with so many other musicians in Dallas. There really is a thriving music community. And so both Casey and I have... Uh, made other musician friends. We're both in a folk band. I don't know if I've announced that on the podcast, but we are both in a folk band now or folk Americana band. And we're working on a whole bunch of original music. So in 2023, I will be sharing some of that on the podcast and social media. So you'll be hearing some of that music as well. Anyway, um, I know I just went on a whole tangent about this last year, but it's getting me to my point. Last December, as we were going through all of these changes, uh, moving out of our home, moving into a fifth wheel, around that time, my therapist of, oh, I want to say three years or so retired. Um, Tim was an incredible, credible person. He still is an incredible person. Um, and I'm so grateful for the time that I had with him. He really, really helped me through some of the worst uh, and hardest parts of my divorce, um, processing all of that, and just helping me deal with different situations that came up in my life over the last few years. So I have such a fond place in my heart for Tim. He really just is such a beautiful, peaceful, kind human being. And so I did not have a therapist for several months, and I really started to feel the effects of that, I'd say throughout the summer. Um, but really kind of coming into the fall, I was getting that nudge of, you know, I really need to get a therapist. And some of the ways that I was noticing that it was definitely time for me to get back in therapy was that I was coming up across internal conflicts and situations in my external world that I couldn't seem to appropriately deal with. Um, and I, and I realized that I had kind of maxed out all of the tools that I had in my toolbox at the current moment. I kind of, you know, all of my sort of my checklist of what I do to get myself out of a funk or kind of get myself back on track, I kind of exhausted all of that. And I still felt like I was not in the best place mentally. And I just wasn't living, I guess it sounds cliche, but I wasn't living my, my fullest potential, right? So I was like, all right, I definitely need a little bit of help in this field or in this area. So I began looking for therapists, which feels extremely daunting in 2022, especially after COVID. Everybody, you know, there was a whole mental health crisis and everybody realized they needed a therapist, which is great because we all deserve to be in therapy. But it also means that finding a therapist is really freaking hard right now. In the past, I've only done, I guess, traditional therapy where you go to therapy and you sit in a room and talk to a therapist. Um, it wasn't like any specific modality, probably more cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, I would, I would assume. So I was interested in trying something a little bit different. Um, and then I remembered that 
my dear friend, Sarah Bueno, she was on our podcast a while back. She is, has her own podcast called Conversations with the Wounded Healer and is the owner of Head Heart Therapy in Chicago, or actually, um, she's actually selling the practice. So she's about to be the former owner of Head Heart Therapy, and she's about to embark on a whole new journey with um, supporting therapists um, and, and therapists, or I guess counseling practices, right? So I remembered that Sarah Bueno um, became a NARM therapist, and she's talked extensively about it on the podcast in the past, and I had always been curious in checking out NARM therapy. So what is NARM therapy? NARM therapy, or NARM, stands for Neuroaffective Relational Model. And I'm actually just going to read to you a little bit of what it is from the NARM website because I feel like I'm going to summarize this terribly if I try. So this is uh, the NARMtraining.com from the NARM Institute. So NARM is an advanced clinical training for mental health professionals who work with complex trauma. NARM is a cutting edge model for addressing attachment, relational, and developmental trauma by working with the attachment patterns that cause lifelong psychobiological symptoms and interpersonal difficulties. These early unconscious patterns of disconnection deeply affect our identity, emotions, physiology, behavior, and relationships. Learning how to work simultaneously with these diverse elements is a radical shift that has profound clinical implications for healing complex trauma. Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying this week's episode. We'd like to take a quick moment to pause and tell you about our Patreon. Unrefined Women offers a pay-what-you-can model in which each tier has access to the same content and community. This follows our values that each person is worthy and deserving of connection, regardless of financial circumstances. And some of the benefits to joining our Patreon include access to our virtual monthly Sunday brunch, online private community where we share Q&As, memes, behind-the-scenes content, and general conversation. Additionally, we post a bonus episode each month. You can access our Patreon by downloading the Patreon app or going to patreon.com on your browser and looking up Unrefined Women. As always, we are so grateful for your support. Running a podcast requires a lot of time and financial commitment on our part. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And now back to the episode. So I'd heard about NARM before from Sarah and had done some of my own research and about how powerful this modality is. And I actually looked it up a couple of years ago, um, but there was no NARM practitioners in Vegas because it is a fairly new modality. It's kind of, from what I hear, it's like the cutting edge uh, modality that is going to be the future of therapy. And I really, really hope that it is. So I was like, I'm in a whole new state. Let me go on the NARM website and find out if there's any practitioners in Texas. And guys, I found one in Dallas. DFW is so huge. There is one NARM therapist. So I knew it was a shot in the dark. I sent him a message. He got back to me. And of course, as I expected, was like, I'm so sorry. Um, You know, I have a pretty full practice right now. Can I refer you out? And I was like, you know, I actually specifically found you for NARM. I really am interested in trying that modality. And he was surprised that I even knew what NARM was. So he's like, how about this? Let me just put you on a little waiting list. And if I have an opening, I'll get back to you. And I was like, that would be wonderful. Well, the stars are aligned, guys, because a week later he contacted me. He goes, oh, well, I actually just had an unexpected opening. Do you want it starting tomorrow? I was like, I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) So... Uh, this was back in, I want to say September, probably. I, I think I'm about 
three months into my NERM process. Guys, like I, I, I'm almost speechless how amazing this modality is. And it's so different from any other therapy I've had. There's, I tend to in my life think of problems very analytically. I get very stuck in my head and I'll kind of examine a situation in my life or I'll examine an internal conflict that I have. And I'm always like in my head, I'm always trying to like, okay, so here's the problem. So what's the ingredient that I need to fix the problem and have a solution? And it's just very um, like habit oriented um, and task oriented, I guess would be a good way to describe it is how is what I've always done. And a lot of therapy and coaching is kind of that way, right? It's like, oh, well, if you want to get healthy, I know in in 30 days, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you on a exercise regimen, you know, five times a week, and you're going to do cardio, you know, cardio on this day and blah, blah, blah. And you're going to eat these foods and, and all that stuff. But what happens is we start putting all these habits and tasks into motion. And most of the time, I mean, I'm sure you're like me, you inevitably can't follow through on it. And life happens and things happen. And it's just really, really hard to maintain um, these new behaviors and to even put these new like things in motion to make them become a habit. Because to really create a habit, you know, takes really like 90 days. Um, and so to even get to that 90 days, most of us don't even get there. So I felt like I was constantly beating my head on the wall, trying to approach my mental health from this very mental place. And NARM does take into account that aspect, of course. But what was so different is it's very somatically based. What I mean by that is that a lot of our sessions come from being very grounded in the present moment and being very in tune with your body and what's coming up in your body as you're talking about um, different memories, um, different things in your life currently that are impacting you. And something that I've noticed that's cool is that we, we actually don't start our sessions or we didn't even start the therapy journey by, you know, who are you and tell me all about your past and your upbringing. And there was none of that. It was actually like, how are you today? That's where we started is how are you today? And it all just starts to unfold from there. Everything is so rooted in the present moment and what's happening in my life right now. And then you start to examine that and like, you know, looking into the past, like, okay, this is what I'm feeling right now with this current situation in my life. And then my therapist will go, okay, um, you know, he'll kind of he'll ask some more questions and we'll kind of dig into that a little bit, see what else is coming up. And then he'll be like, all right, what, what are some other points in your life where you've noticed this feeling? And it's so interesting. I'll start to like kind of trace back and, and you start to find these patterns and find these very deep origins of where these feelings come from. And it's amazing. And so to realize that so many issues in my life you know, are just these old programs that I'm playing to because they were like ways that I had to learn to adapt to survive in my childhood. And now I have these old programs. It's not even on a mental level, like cognitively, I think I'm, you know, I'm pretty self-aware, but so much of these programs are stored in our body 
and we learn to disconnect from our bodies as a way of survival. And so we have all of this um, like information in our bodies. We have this intuition, like those gut feelings. Um, all of our emotions come from our body and we're so disconnected from them. So we think everything's in our head, which, you know, a lot of things are in our head, but we've completely missed the body, like the somatic component to it. And so that's what it is, is dropping into the body and really, really finding what's in there. And it's just amazing, like what's coming up for me. I feel like I'm one of those people that struggles to really deeply feel emotion and and to cry, you know, and feel sadness. And I've been finding this greater capacity to hold emotions, especially sadness. And it's something I couldn't allow myself to do before because sadness for myself and I believe for many of us is one of the hardest emotions to sit with. So we often will do everything we can to avoid sadness. We'll go to anger, we'll go to jealousy, we'll go to rage, we'll go, we'll feel frustrated. We have all these kind of more surface emotions that are protecting us from feeling sadness, which I just keep coming back to that when I really, really dig down to the core is just a lot of sadness in my life. Something interesting that I learned about sadness recently um, is that depression comes from a lot of sadness that has been trapped and stored in the body and we've been, been unable to process it. So depression is actually the symptom that arises when we have sadness that we're not releasing from our body. There's this um, beautiful quote that my therapist sent to me and actually, um, sadly, he doesn't remember where he found it, but I thought it was really important and it says, Depression is that terrible stagnation of rage and shame is not grief. It's the body in a state of arrest, unable to grieve the way it needs to, to keep you alive. Wow. I, I was completely floored by that because as you remember from last year, I struggled really badly with seasonal depression. Um, just the darker months and, and less sunlight, I get just you know, and sometimes the holidays too, it just brings up a lot from the past and I would get really depressed and I haven't been feeling depression really this year. I've been feeling more sadness this year, but not depressed. It's a very different feeling I found. Um, and when I feel sadness now, it's not this overwhelming tidal wave that like consumes me and swallows me up like how depression is. I'm able to notice the sadness feel the sadness, but it doesn't consume me anymore. Um, I have compassion for that sadness now. So I've been finding that therapy gives me this greater capacity to hold sadness. But what it's also been doing is it's been giving me a greater capacity to feel joy, to feel excitement, to feel connection, to feel love, to feel all the beautiful, wild and crazy spectrum of human emotions. So that's been really, really exciting for me. So other things that have been coming up for me in therapy, um, and again, it's, it's so interesting because we don't approach this from what's the problem and how do we fix it? It's like, what is coming up right now? What is in the body? What's all the stuff in there that we need to really process? <clears throat> what are some of those programs? You know, what are the ways that I've had to adapt to survive in my life? And, and really looking at that. And it's something I've noticed too, is that 
we don't try to fix those problems even. We don't even try to change them. But I've noticed just by sitting with them and the emotions that arise, examining them, processing them, I'm starting to see these little shifts in my life, almost like this little bubble, like making its way to the surface. And I start to find myself in my daily life making small little behavioral changes that aren't even conscious. It just, they just start to happen. So one of the things that's been really important to me has been grief, really processing grief. And I've been grieving what my child self had to endure. And part of that grief is, it's almost like grieving someone that's passed away, right? Look at like when you lose someone close to you and there's this like void in your life and you miss that person and you know that, that, that we've all lost someone. We know what that feels like. I've been feeling that kind of grief, but it's for myself. And it's not that it's a little different though. It's not the kind of grief where like I've, I've, I'm like, oh, there's this part of me that, that got lost. It's not even that. It's earlier than that. I realized I'm, I'm, I'm grieving that I never even got to live. There's parts of myself that never even got to survive past the first year of life. And that's hard because it's like, you know, of course, it's like the inevitable question comes up of who who could I have been, right? Who could I have been if I had been in a home that was more nurturing, more loving, um, you know, didn't have the the looming influence of very strict religion? Um, what would that have been like? You know, of course, I think that, but it's, it, there's just a lot there, just gr- really grieving that. And it's, you know, it's like, I can't know. I'll never know what got lost fully. Um, because I was so young. So I've been really, really sitting and grappling with that. But something else that's been coming up for me as I'm grieving that loss of who I never even, of who I never got to be, of what parts of me never survived, I'm also having so much compassion and admiration for my re- my resilience and my ability to adapt to survive. Because the parts of me that never got to live, you know, I had to adapt myself to survive. And, and there's something so powerful, so primal about that, right? That, that we will, as children, we will abandon ourselves to get the love and acceptance from our parents. And I mean, that's, that's an incredible, that's an incredible thing. As sad and heartbreaking as that is, that really speaks to how just how resilient we are and that we will do anything to survive there's just something so deeply primal about that and so I feel like as I'm grieving that I'm also having compassion and admiration for myself that wow like I really really did everything I could to survive that that's an amazing that's an amazing thing So I'm going to shift a little more into talking about some of the ways that I've been seeing little changes in my life now as a result of of processing all of this. I've started to notice a little bit more freedom to be myself, I guess, in work and social, social situations, regardless of what's expected of me. And I definitely have this part of me and I kind of have like a love hate relationship with it, right? Like I have this part of me where I can walk into a social settings and I can kind of chameleon adapt my way into the environment. I can kind of fit in regardless of who's in, who's in the space and, and what the energy and the vibe is. I can kind of 
find a way to fit into it. And in a way, it's kind of fun for me. But sometimes I do notice that I abandon parts of myself in that process. So I have been feeling more in tune with walking into a space, kind of reading the room, adapting in the ways that I feel like I want to adapt. It's more of a choice now. And feeling a little more secure in holding on to and expressing parts of myself that maybe don't quite fit the environment, but are me. Like, and I need, I need to hold on to that, those parts of me. So I've been noticing that a little bit. Part of that has been even like in my work environment, being a bartender, it's very much like an entertaining kind of um, position. You're, you're behind a bar, you've got all these people facing you. And, you know, you're working, of course, you're multitasking and, and doing all these various jobs involving creating drinks um, and, and providing customer service. But you're also building relationships with people. You're entertaining. You're connecting people. It's There's a lot to it. And it's a job that I have found sometimes I can really lose myself in. So I've been finding myself with this greater capacity when I'm behind the bar to really kind of drop into my body and like, where am I at right now? And giving myself permission to, if I just don't have the capacity to have as many conversations today, that's okay. Like I, that's okay. I'm worthy of being a little quieter today and not being quite as, you know, the life of the party or um, being as bright of a host. That's okay. I've realized, and this is terrible, but I realized that I actually have been allowing myself to do things like go to the bathroom and eat at work. Like how sad is that, right? That I don't even allow myself. And no one told me that. No one ever said, you can't go to the bathroom on your shift or eat food. That's something I put on myself. And I I realized that. So allowing myself to just honor the parts of me that are human. So that's been really huge for me. Something else too that I've been noticing um, has been as I, again, feel this more depth and feel my emotions more, I can feel deep, deep, deep down. Um, I feel in tune with some part of myself that is beyond words. And I almost feel like that's the part, like the God part of ourself, right? Like the part of ourself that's connected to God, to source, to the universe, to every, every living thing. I feel, I can feel that more, that omnipresence. It's like this, this vastness and this stillness below everything. And it's amazing because I can just be in the whirlwind of my day and I can just pause and just drop right into that. And it's there. And it's so more readily accessible to me now. So that's been such a beautiful thing to experience. Um, you know, and, and to wrap this up, I think what's so funny is that when I first went into therapy, the first issues that I was sitting with that I really wanted to deal with were some of my relationship styles and my attachment styles and how hard it is for me to really feel secure attachments with other people, how easy it is for me to push people away, um, to kind of bury my emotions down and, and not feel them and not communicate them with people. It's so interesting how my external relationships were the main focus when I went into therapy. And what I'm realizing is that first and foremost, I have to work on the relationship with myself. And then until I really get to a good 
stable place with a relationship with myself, I'm not going to be able to have deep, meaningful relationships with other people. So that's what I'm working on right now, guys. And I'm loving it. It's really fucking hard, but I'm loving it. And I'm so, so grateful. To wrap up, I actually have a little surprise for y'all. Look at that. I said, y'all, I'm becoming a true Texan. (laughs) I um, have been feeling a little more creative lately. And I think a lot of that has had to do with therapy and just processing so much and releasing so many things that had a hold on me for so long. And so I've been feeling this huge creative spurt. And part of that has led me to start writing some of my own music. This is huge for me, guys. I've only co-written with other people, with my group Ashera, um, with our folk Americana band called Industry Nights. Like I've only written with other people. And I've just started writing my own lyrics for the first time and actually doing my own, just my own thing, like my own genre, my own, just whatever comes up for me. So... I am about to share with you right now the first song that I ever wrote on my own. And this song, it's called Perfectly Made. And it's a song to me as a small child. It's almost like a letter to me as a small child. And I'm singing to that part of myself that got lost, that never got to live. The part of me that was perfectly made. And no one ever saw that. So I hope you enjoy my song Perfectly Made. Thank you all. I hope you have a beautiful rest of December, a safe and happy holiday, whatever that holiday is for you, and a wonderful new year.
If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username Unrefined Woman, and on Instagram at Unrefined Woman Podcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.